This episode of the YVR Screen Scene Podcast is brought to you by UBCP ACTRA, a.k.a. the Union of British Columbia Performers. UBCP is an autonomous branch of the Alliance of Canadian Cinema, Television, and Radio Artists, the national organization of professional performers working in the English language recorded media in Canada. For more information about UBCP ACTRA, visit ubcpactra.ca. This episode was sponsored in part by listeners like you. Join our Patreon community and receive early access to episodes, bonus content, stickers, buttons, and more. Visit www.patreon.com slash podcast. Welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast, where we pull back the curtain and expose the beating heart to the Vancouver film and television industry, namely the actors and filmmakers and other talented artists who do the work, capital T, capital W. I'm Sabrina Ronnie Furminger. Bill Newton, or Neil Buton, as he is known on Twitter, is one of the most exciting voice actors in our local industry. Yeah, yeah, I said exciting. Watch his voice demo reel, which is pinned to the top of his Neil Buton Twitter page, and you'll see and hear two minutes of performances that are exciting and also adventurous, daring, and pretty damn funny. Bill has voiced everyone's favorite god of mischief, Loki, in multiple Marvel projects, including Lego Marvel Adventures and Marvel Battle World Treachery at Twilight. He was nominated for a UBCP Actor Award for voicing the Dude Bro Ogre Brain Freeze in Monster Beach. He's turned in an array of witty, wacky, and wonderful performances in My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic, Ninjago, and Beyblade. And... Earlier this year, Bill went viral. Like, I mean on social media, not like with any kind of virus. I don't know, I just, I, just, I feel like that's important to point out. Um, but yes, Bill went viral with his dramatic readings of Peggy Blair's Dear Martha tweets, which captured the absurdity of the occupation of Ottawa. So today, let's get into the whys and hows of Neil Buton, or Bill Newton, and chart his journey from Australia to one of Vancouver's most exciting voice actors, Neil Newton. Bill Newton, welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. Thank you, Sabrina. Wow, I'm going to, I'm going to slice up that audio and just like, I'm going to take the top and tail of that intro and I'm going to paste that on my website and just as, <laughs> as lauded by Sabrina Furminger. Look, listen. That was, thank you for that. Got to keep the viral stuff uh, in there, in there as well. (laughs) Listen, everyone knows. The good kind of viral, the good kind. Well, I mean, and I, I have, as listeners know who've been listening to episodes recently, I have had the COVID. I am fine now, but I still feel like it's kind of present with me. And uh, I am definitely um, conducting these interviews through the kind of, the fog (laughs) of post-COVID brain. How are you? I'm good. Yeah? Yeah, you? I'm okay. Do you feel exciting? Sometimes, yeah. Well, you know, I was so I'm, I watched I do your now. Reel, that intro. That intro I, got me fired up. Yeah. Well, how do you like? How do you describe yourself and the kind of work that you do? Like, let's um, get into it. Yeah. Uh, probably versatile is what I try to. It's what I tried to sort of you know model my career on and um and and pride myself on uh, when I allow that. 
uh, for myself. But um, yeah, versatility, just just really kind of swinging for the fences and going for lots of different things. I don't really like, and I, I don't want to just be one thing, you know, mm. one kind of performer or one kind of uh, voice or one kind of, you know, whatever it is. I just, I don't, I don't want to be pigeonholed. I kind of want to be able to do everything. It's part of what attracted me to acting in the first place was mm. it can be anything that, you know, my imagination or the imagination of the person creating the work desires. And I loved that. I loved yeah. it. I could, you know, from day to day, job to job, minute to minute, you could be something different. And so that's what I, I try to be. Yeah. And I, I, I would exciting. say that I find your versatility very exciting. Thank you. What I find really interesting is, though, that nothing that I heard in the demo reel mm. And that I've heard in your work sounds like the person that's talking. Yeah. Today, do you, do you find that you keep your voice, your your Bill Newton voice? Yeah. Yeah, away from your work. I guess I do. Um, part of it, it's not conscious really. Um, and and I actually still like I struggle um, because for all of the roles that I ever um, audition for that say natural voice, they never actually mean natural voice. Hmm. They mean they might mean, you know, natural placement, like, you know, this sort of, you know, timbre and, and cadence and stuff like that, but they don't mean my accent, my voice. Mm. They mean standard North American, you know, for a commercial, usually a commercial where they just like, you know, just natural voice, chatting with another person, very simple. And so I have to read that, saying natural voice, you know, no accent, they often say. And I'm like, okay, so when you say no accent, you mean some accent for me. Mm-hmm. So an accent for me, but not for you. So I got to do that translation um but yeah i haven't i haven't ever done as far as i can remember i've never done a role um that's in this voice in that voice yeah let's just get into it then sure. let's get into it yeah um let's talk about your accent yes is your accent for you in the work that you do is it a blessing or is it a curse like how has your accent impacted the opportunities that you've had in this industry at all. Like, t- let's talk about your journey with it. Sure, sure. Um, I I would say that it 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 still sits in the back of my mind a little bit. Um, just because when I first came here and when I was talking to people about you know moving into a North American market, um, there were people that sort of said like, look, you know, speaking in your natural voice will have some people like if you use it to slate, you know, at the beginning of of an audition or when they talk to you. There will be people who will be confused or a little bit puzzled. They may kind of draw back. I remember one person in particular said, they'll always think of you as an interloper. And that was scary at first. Somebody said? Yeah, they said that. And and Did they say it in that voice that you did? <laughs> it was so they will sinister. always think of you as an interloper. I know, it was uh, <laughs> deep, deep, sinister vibes. But uh, no, they, they said it and they're not wrong, which is that there will be a subconscious thing for some people where they'll sort of hear it and they'll go like... Mm, it's different. It's not. It's not what I was expecting, or not what I wanted. And so I've learned. Or he's know, putting it on. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So I've heard that in in certain situations, um, colleagues of mine, you know, with accents from from other places, will do their best, especially in slates at the beginning of an audition, to do it either close to the voice of the character or just a neutral North American accent. And I've mm-hmm. actually started doing that over the past number of years, because I think starting with what my voice is, this voice. And then leading into a different character, they might think, "Is that, is is that the uh, like? Do you have a reader? Do you have a reader just read that slate, or is this you?" It'll start them off on a sort of a confused footing. And yeah, I found I can't tell whether it's that I've 
gotten more success or you know more callbacks and things since I started doing that whether it's just because I've gotten better at what I do or mm -hmm. whether it's because I made that choice but it has played into it where I've sort of not hidden it but just not been so open with you know speaking when I'm in the studio and you know and we we hang around and stuff like this is how I talk so I just talk like this yeah and you're not the only Australian who's in the voice world right we've no, had Rona we got, oh, we got as time. well <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And, uh, and Lee Shorten as well that's right. Yeah, so like, you know, we're in there. You just, you know, we we we're ta we're taking all the jobs slowly. Yep. <laughs> slowly. Um <laughs> taking over. Yeah. I don't even know if that wasn't that wasn't Australian. <laughs> that was like Cockney or something. It's okay. Everybody know. that's another thing. So, um accent-wise, um it can be a bit of an advantage because if you actually want Australian, which is rare but does still happen, if you want it to sound like an actual Australian, then you need to get an Australian. I've I've yet to, I'm sure there are incredibly talented folks out there, but I've yet to hear someone that's tricked me mm. into thinking that they were Australian when they weren't. And I'm sure that's true of most accents, you know, an actual sort of native speaker and person who's grown yeah. up around an accent will sort of go, mm, I don't know. But Australian is very tricky. I've just noticed that it's... I love the smile on your face yeah. as you're saying that. Well, because it's... Australian is very tricky. It's a little bit of a superpower. It's sort of just like, that's an interesting attempt. You know, that was, <laughs> that was, that was you know, you, you had a go. I tell, like, I just yeah. go like, you know what? You had a go and that was fun. Yeah, and that was fun. <laughs> that was but fun. But you're an interloper. Yeah, but I'd be like, you know, but like, you know, leave it, leave it to the professionals. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Bill, how do we get here? Here's like, physically this room. Physically this room. <laughs> so okay. No, so. so my my parents my parents met in uh, I believe it was Perth. Uh, in oh wow, we're going far back. Yeah yeah no 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 we're, we're, we won't go that far back. Um, Let, so no, how how like what kind of a kid were you? What did you want to be when you grew up? Like, I was a bring huge us back dork. To your childhood. So just the biggest of dorks, massive nerd. I was into uh, uh, Star Trek. Uh, very much Star Trek. You're literally, as you're saying that, you're looking, know, at, looking at all my Star, Star Trek, Trek, Trek shit. Figurines, like, so I was like, yeah, yeah okay, fine, so like, yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and now I was more of a, I was more of a, a TOS lad. You mm -hmm. know, so, oh, you know, um, I, that's I like, interesting for yeah. somebody of your age. Well, that's the thing. You know, uh, we were talking before we uh, recorded that I'm in in many ways I'm very much an old man. <laughs> okay, no, but can I? In, in my defense, it was because <laughs> I we were talking about warming up voice yeah. before we do stuff yep. and then you started talking about all the singing that, that mm -hmm. you were doing and you mm -hmm. talked about warming up to Engelbert Humperdinck, Engelbert Humperdinck and then I'm like are you 90 and Glenn Campbell yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 it's very it look yes I, I in some ways I am yeah. there's definitely elements that is a nice that. comfortable cardigan you are wearing I am I'm see I'm leaning right into it can't it's wait a, to be old it's the it's the Andy Warhol technique which is that if I sort of age myself early you know he wore wigs and makeup to kind of make himself look older right because then the transition to actual age will be seamless I see <laughs> so if I act and dress and seem like an old out of touch nerd. <laughs> People won't bat an eye when I am that. Yeah, and you'll be at the Denny's for the 55 Exactly, I'll be like, meal. oh, joke's yeah. on everybody. I'm just here because it's great savings. Yeah. And, then, <laughs> and then, you know, after many years, I realize, oh, I've become I've become the irony. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, sorry. So you watch, you watch original series. Yeah, Star so Trek. I was I was a, a huge nerd. And, like, you know, in a lot of ways, that's, and it still is, uh, it's becoming a lot more accepted, I think, being a huge nerd. Mm -hmm. But it was very isolating when I was. A kid and so so there weren't a lot of 
nerds in I mean there were, were you in Perth? Was no, no. Right? So I grew up in Melbourne. Um okay. and so Melbourne. Yeah. So there <laughs> nice were nice try, interloper. No, boom. <laughs> just just go boom. Pretend there's like less letters. Melbourne. There you go, you got it. Oh. Nailed it. Um so I grew up uh with, you know, some friends, but not tons. I definitely wasn't like the least popular person in school, but I absolutely was, I'd say I was closer to that end of the spectrum mm-hmm, of friends. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of that lone, alone time, you read a lot of books, uh, you get into a lot of like really nerdy stuff. And I started listening to uh, radio, like comedy plays and skits and things. So there's this old British radio show called The Goon Show. I thought you were going to say Hancock's Half Hour. No, no. But... So, so, um, so Spike Milligan, yeah. Harry Seacomb, um, uh, it just incredible old stuff really old stuff really old stuff and like um, 50s and 60s right like yeah so i got the the records the the vinyl records uh from my grandma um <laughs> and my parents had some tapes and things because they were fans as well um and so just listening to a lot of that and just hearing all these voices yeah. and realizing that like these three you know four people were doing everything mm. and i was like wait what like this magical because you know i'd seen films and i'd seen tv and stuff like that and it was rare that you would see characters and i hadn't put it together that that's what cartoons were as well so mm. i was a big fan of cartoons too okay name drop some cartoons i mean that's that well, is gonna, relevant to what you do well i was gonna say you know the old uh the merry melodies and you know looney tunes and uh, pretty much anything with like done by chuck jones mm-hmm. you know i just remember that name the specifically classic, yeah. at the beginning of all those shorts and that was fascinating, but I had never put it together in my head that that was the same sort of thing. When yeah. I heard the radio plays, I was like, oh, that's the same people. Yeah. That was kind of more mind-blowing. I hadn't realized that the cartoons were doing the same thing. You know, I just had imagined like, okay, no, there's one person who's Bugs Bunny, and there's one person who's Daffy, and there's one person who's Sylvester, and yeah. there's one person who's Yosemite Sam. Come to find out, I was going like, oh, that's all the same guy. Yeah. All the same guy. Or like was, Frank Oz. Yes. And so exactly, I was actually having a conversation uh, this morning uh, where I was talking about Frank Oz and how I love the Muppets Mm -hmm. and uh, I was talking to the person, they had no idea, well, it's not that they had no idea, but they put it together on the spot. I was like, you know, Miss Piggy and Yoda are the same person. They were like, what? I guess that makes sense. And I was like, yeah, yeah. Like the Muppets, all the Muppets (laughs) are like five people. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So it's that wonderful world of like limitless, um, whatever your imagination can conjure and yeah. create that's yeah that's where that lives when you were a kid though did your imagination mm-hmm. conjure a career as a voice performer uh, i guess it sowed the seeds yeah yeah it didn't it didn't like i didn't think about it as a career until much later yeah. so like into my sort of mid-20s okay so um, when you were then in your in your teens yeah you know, I mean, that's really, it's so funny when I think about how we ask teenagers to decide what yes. they're going to be when they grow up. Yeah, like, what because are you going they're not to, ready. What are you going to do from now until, you know, you leave this earth? And it's yeah. like, I don't know. It's too, I think that it's too much to ask it is. teenagers. It is. It really should be phrased and sort of, you know, positioned more like, what do you like to do? What do you like to do? Yeah, or what yeah. would you, what do you want to do? It doesn't have to be like, it's the, what do you want to do when you grow up? Yeah. What do you want to do until you die? Don't ask that of a teenager. No. It's ridiculous. No. Like, they're barely, like, able to take care of their basic needs. Yeah. But anyway, when you were a teenager, <laughs> barely able to take care yeah, of your yeah, basic yeah. needs, um, what, what, what had you set your sights on? I, I actually sort of had set my sights on performing 
Um, mm. I didn't know how uh, and like in what way that would, you know, materialize. Yes, like I find that yeah. interesting considering the fact that, I mean, you basically described yourself as, you know, a socially mm-hmm. isolated yep. dork. Did you have a lot of opportunities to perform? Were you comfortable in front of people? Like where did you, that come from? So the first memory I have of of getting that, that rush that everyone I know in performing has talked about, which is where you sort of, you get that, that absolute rush of endorphins mm. and sparklies in the brain where you just go oh yeah i want more of that please yeah um was doing little skits for my grandmother and her friends at their quilting meet at at the church when so every every six to twelve months uh when i was a kid we would go to perth where my mum's family is from and we would uh stay with my grandma and my grandma and her friends would meet up uh, once a week in the local church and they would they would quilt. And yeah. it was more of like, it took me years to realize that it wasn't that they were just super into quilting. They were, that was their social time. Yeah, they were into each other exactly. and hanging out. That was yeah. their social time. They all just happened to quilt and like they wouldn't get that much done because they'd be talking and a little bit of gossip Yeah, that's why quilts like that. take forever yes. to make. Yes, you think, you think like, <laughs> wow, quilts are just this incredibly intensive and some of them can be, but it's really because like a lot of the time you've, you've like your nana has made a quilt or whatever yeah. and you'd be like, wow, that took six months. And it was like, oh yeah, because not a lot of quilting got done. There's a lot of chit, <laughs> a lot of chit chat. So at those meets, uh, myself and... And uh, some of the other grandchildren, um, because it was in an old church, so it had like a sort of a a raised stage platform. Mm -hmm. We were like, let's do like little skits. And I don't remember any of them, but it was like, you know, we'll we'll just do like a little joke. And here's the story. It'll be like, you know, you play the the dog or whatever. And, you know, we'll be going on a picnic or something. Yeah. And I remember and, you know, all the all the nanas would, you know, politely, you know, a little round of applause at the end. And it was just sort of that like, yeah, yeah, this is fun. I really, really like this. Yeah. yeah. I want more of that. I want more of this, please. Um, and then there was the sort of the the kind of, um, I guess, uh, coming up against reality, which is that I was uh, I was very shy and, you know, not super social and gregarious. And mm. so it was like, oh, OK, but then like outside of the safe Nana performing space, I might have to do that in front of either people who have been actively teasing me at school or strangers who might then tease me. Mm-hmm. So it was like, oh, I don't know about this. So front-facing performing got put on the back burner because right. I just I didn't think that I would be able to handle it or could yeah. do it. And then I remembered like listening to more of the the sort of the the radio plays and the audio space of things and making little tapes. So we had a, a big chunky I think it was a TDK, um, uh, uh, I, I know like what you're size of a about. loaf of bread, yeah, yeah and size of a loaf of bread cassette recorder, yeah. And I remember like mimicking voices that I had heard on TV. So there was, uh, you know, on the ABC, which is sort of Australia's version of the CBC. So it's the sort of the the state-owned uh, television broadcasting service. So it had a lot of stuff. Uh, educational as well as you know informative and and entertainment as well but it had a lot of stuff bought from the BBC Mm. um, because they still had those cultural ties right and so there was lots and lots of shows that would uh, be bought just directly from the BBC and put on the ABC and all the accents all these British accents all these you know like some Scottish accents as well and Irish and just like tons of accents from that part of the world Um, in various shows, some of them dramatic, some of them just like there was one called Gardening. Uh, it was Gardening Australia, and it had a British fella in it. And he had this um, incredible, um, don't even know where the where the accent's from, but he would talk about like, he'd talk about the, the soil and the soil and the richness of it. And, you know, he'd talk about that. And the, 
and just the way he talked was so almost intoxicating and I remember making little tapes pretending to be him working in the garden Mm. and it was just that sort of thing of like hearing these voices and going like I think I could do that and it's really fun to do that so I would just do that you're ahead of your time in some ways too (laughs) because now like audio dramas they are so hot right now right yeah especially the podcasting absolutely right like I you know I I host a podcast with Christian Sloan it's a uh the film review podcast mm-hmm. been on hiatus during the pandemic sure. but we're bringing it back yeah and like he was on the black tapes podcast which right. was downloaded 80 million times wow yeah so hot right that now. is that is yeah. audio dramas that is um, a metric that's a yeah. metric to put on the wall yeah oh yeah. i think he does i think he has i bet i hope so um yeah you were ahead of your time yeah yeah so let's talk about how you got from there to here. Okay, then, so and about that and about that journey. Yeah, you know. Yeah, so as as I sort of uh, got into uh, high school and university, I, I I tried many different jobs. I tried office jobs. I tried retail jobs and things like that, and nothing was particularly satisfying. Um, retail helped a little because I sort of got to perform a bit Mm. um so you know there was that kind of you know putting on a bit of a character that's not really me because you know in retail you don't really get to say what you want to say or think Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so there's a little bit of that there's like okay I'm playing the part of very helpful employee today you know did you put on a voice no no and people would always say they'd say like you know what you should do to practice right is you do that and I'd be like yeah and I could do that but if that customer ever came back and I'd forgotten what voice I'd done for them they'd be like what are you doing? And then the game would be up and I'd be rumbled. Um, yeah. So it was like, it's not exactly a professional thing. Like fun, if it was if it was much more of a, a low contact uh, job. Yeah. Like uh, I've heard of friends of mine uh, who've, uh, who aren't performers necessarily, but who would uh, like be on the drive through at a fast food place, mm. who would put on an accent for, you know, somebody that drives up or whatever, because it's low contact. It's, you know, it's over in about 60 seconds. So yeah. you could just do that. And it's low stakes as well. You know, if, as long as it's not a ridiculous, you know, sort of absolutely over the top yeah, cartoon accent. Yeah, as long as the order isn't messed up. Yeah, nobody's nobody's going to question and go like, "What Scottish person? <laughs> I t- I've never ordered my coffee from a Scot." <laughs> so that's you know that would be a much more fun situation. But mine was much more front facing, you know, face to face. So they'd be right in front of me, and like I said, if they ever came back and I forgot and then hadn't put the voice on, they'd be like. You had a different voice when I came in last time, and it was rem- it was memorable enough and strange enough that I've remembered it. But now you don't have it. And I'd be like, oh, disappear into a crack in the floor. Yeah. Um, but uh, <laughs> I so, would pay to see that, frankly. Sure. So I, I those jobs were okay, but I just I kept finding myself being drawn to performing, and particularly again, like the sort of the 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 fear of like self esteem and and being f- uh, like visibly seen uh, was still pretty terrifying. Um, it still is now. Like yeah. I, I've actually sort of got ideas and and hopes to to do some on camera stuff. Yeah, but I that... did notice that when you sat down, you literally hid behind the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just like this is this is okay. I just hear like yeah. we need a really big and old ribbon style microphone. I'm like, you gotta move it. I gotta yeah. see a face. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's still there. Yeah. Um, but a big part of it uh, had me then look at what are some other options you know where are some places I can still perform without having to do that and I went back to the things that had kind of you know uh, really really tickled me Mm -hmm. the voice acting the characters the things like that and it was at that age and seeing lots of examples of it because it used to just live in cartoons mostly and then as I grew older video games started to be voiced 
Oh, yes, they did. So they started to be voiced as well. So I was like, okay. And then I started seeing examples of animation not just for children. Mm -hmm. So probably the biggest influence on me deciding, okay, I'm doing it, like it's time to do it, was an adult swim show called The Venture Brothers. Just an absolutely incredible example of like huge fans of animation themselves, the creators of this show, Mm -hmm. and then putting their own twisted spin and comedic spin on it and like absolutely pulling no punches. You yeah. know, there's violence, there's there's sex, there's all sorts of stuff that is absolutely not for kids. It is a grown-up show that is a cartoon. Yeah. And one of the first I can think of, like outside of South Park, which, you know, was I think aimed more at kind of Twi- not tweens, but sort of like early teens, mid teens. Yeah. It was sort of like, oh my god! They, I can't they believe sw- they said that. They said, oh, they said, "Fuck!" <gasps> <laughs> a little bit of, a, you know, they so they do that, yeah. and it'd be like, oh my goodness, it, more kind of that, you know, like shock. And it was one of the first times where you're like, wait, whoa, 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 is a cartoon doing that? And then there have been other examples since, but this was the first time that I was like, oh, this is this is not made in any way. children it is referencing an old show from like the 60s and 70s which people from our generation will have seen you know uh, on morning uh, cartoon TV because it's very very cheap you know it was made 30 years before that so it's like okay so they can just buy lots of it and put it on in the morning so like you know G.I. Joe Johnny Quest those sorts of things so it was based on that characters that were sort of a, a satirical spoof on that so I was like, this in no way is made for younger people. This is an adult cartoon. Yeah. And I was fascinated by that. And I was like, I want to I do that. I want to do that. In fact, I had a sort of a goal to one day be on that show. Unfortunately, it was cancelled last year. No! Yeah, and look, it might live on. They've talked about wanting to make it live on in some way. And that would be amazing. Um, but yeah, it was. You're so close. I know, and it was, but it was, it was so inspiring, like <laughs> yeah. really, really inspiring that show. And so I was just like, okay, I can. So it lives on in you. Absolutely, I, yeah, I, I, I think about it all the time. Yeah. Like, it, it really does. Like <laughs> I think about, about it. about it right now. I, yeah, I, I. There's not, a, there's not a couple of weeks that go by without me thinking about the Venture Brothers. Yeah, it's, it's so good, and that made me go, oh, I can like I can do this and I can do it in the way that I want to do it. So yeah. that was the other thing was that, you know, I had seen animation and the bulk of it and I was like, okay, uh, but there's like very particular kinds that I want to do. Mm-hmm. And so the first thing I had to do was I had to look at um, this, the, the place that I was, which was Melbourne, Australia. and Melbourne. Melbourne. And there's nothing. Just there, there is no animation being done there there mm-hmm. was some done out of sydney but even still almost nothing it is very much a place that uh like the film industry uh there, there's not even an analog here really it's just so there's a lot of post-production done in melbourne and sydney mm-hmm. tons they now have like huge huge uh post-production studios and industries there yeah but the actual like the casting especially is not done there 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 have been i think two major cartoons made uh, that have like made even remotely international audiences in 15 20 years Two. one of the one of them is bluey okay. which is on like uh netflix kids or, yep. or something like that so that is now quite well known australian cast uh it's australian produced and so that's australian and the other one was one called dog star which uh, a friend of mine a, an actor friend of mine back in melbourne before i ever moved here so we're going back more than 10 years he auditioned for and he got very positive feedback and it, it seemed good and it seemed great and then they didn't go with him and then when we saw 
the show, it was completely cast with um, radio personalities. So, hmm. like, Drive Time crew, who were very well known because they were the Drive Time crew on the, the, you know, the big radio station in town, but not necessarily voice actors. I'm trying to think of the shows that are made here, like, mm-hmm. the, the, or, you know, that are voiced here, of being voiced by... Like Drex from Jack FM, right? It would, also Australian, I believe. Right. But like it just, it just would be like bizarre. It would, it would, and and the show. Uh, I don't think I think it maybe did a season. Uh-huh. Um, but and I I didn't watch much of it. Um, I wasn't that interested. Uh, because it, it was very disheartening to sort of find out that it had been entirely kind of stunt cast. They were like, yeah. Well, we won't bother going with. Uh, performers, I, I get, radio DJ personality is still a performance art, but it's very different. It's completely different. It's different. It's kind of like what I do, which is a podcast art, right? It's not the but same. Even, I'm there in a microphone, but it's different. But even still, and that's the thing is that, like, you know, a lot of the time for the radio personality, uh, outside of like the prank calls, uh, which was a big thing, I don't know if that's still a big thing on on radio. Thankfully, um, it is not. Okay, good, because they were. I would I always turn those. straight off. They yeah. were terrible. They were terrible. Um, but one of the guys who got the main lead in the Dog Star Project, um, that's what he did. I feel like I'm just like ragging on him now, just bagging on the guy. It's but, fine. I won't tag him when I <laughs> yeah yeah please don't please don't please don't nobody nobody tell uh nobody tell uh it's Matt something doesn't matter I'm not I'm not gonna don't don't go find him don't go find him but um and but like I said find him. his name is Matt he's from Dogstar and he's a radio guy I never listened to it so he may have done a fantastic job yeah. but it's sort of that thing of just like and it's it's sort of happening now as well which is where you go okay we're casting a thing for an animated show should we just load it with on-camera celebrities. Oh, I hate it's that. It's very frustrating because you it's it's very cynical. It doesn't seem to come from any sort of place of this is creatively exactly who we want. You know, they have a unique voice. Uh, or, Wait, you're saying you, know, you don't want Chris Pratt for every single yeah, no, it turns out project. I it turns out I don't, especially Mario. But yeah. um, <laughs> but it's it's it's, it's exactly that. It's so thing, that's yeah. been that's been but a. But that's very, not the only one. No, I, I took my kid to see what was it? I think it was like the the Adams Family animated movie, mm-hmm. and. Was it Hotel Transylvania? No, it was. It was. It the, was Adam's family. It was the okay. Adams family, um, or was it? No, I don't know. But it, but it was one of these things where it was, it, it was pop like the the cast. It was loaded up, yeah. with all of these really famous people sure. who I love to watch and other things. Sure, but they don't know yeah. how to do this thing with the mic and it's, how to yeah, act. It's a different know, for, skill set. And it, it exactly. And and I, I think, you know, and the reason I say it's so cynical is because essentially somebody has sat down and they've, you know, they've tabulated, they've played Moneyball. I've, mm. I've chatted about this with my colleagues at, at length. In fact, I'm sure plenty of them are just like, oh my God, he's going to talk about voiceover Moneyball again. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> it, it's the idea of rather than putting together what is sort of like uh, inherently like a champion team you're just kind of looking at stats so they just go okay so this person their box office is this and this person's box office is this and da, 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 and you just go like okay that's how that will work and you go all right then we would just put them all in the same project and it should just equal what this is right over on the right hand column so you know whatever uh, all their added up you know box office averages are we add that together we're going to make a billion dollars. Yeah. And they never do. And yeah. it's because, well, you know, in some senses, baseball is a sort of, it, it's it's got some artistry to it, but it's 
mechanical. And that's sort of the idea behind that Moneyball uh, mm-hmm. idea. Whereas performance is not mechanical in any sense. It's it's entirely creative. So it becomes this, that's not necessarily going to work. And mm-hmm. we've seen it on screen too, where yeah. you just, you, you absolutely load the cast. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But then in voiceover, it's like, okay, but you've also not loaded any people in there who are really good at that. Mm-hmm. So it becomes frustrating. And that's sort of the feeling that I got with that the Dogstar project. I didn't audition for it, but my friend did. He'd already had some experience performing. He was an improv theater guy. He's really good. And he didn't really get a look in because they were like, well, we've already got like all these people in mind. And like, hey, they'll go like, oh, I know that guy. It's Matt. <laughs> it's Matt from the radio. Yeah, he does the prank calls. Yeah, I'll definitely watch because he he's so good at the prank calls. It will definitely translate into this project, of course. Of course. Um, and, I don't, and I don't think it did. Like I said, I didn't, I didn't listen to it. So I'm not saying it was bad. I'm just saying it was very disappointing. I think that you have given enough disclaimers to say that yeah. you don't have anything. <laughs> Please don't come for me, Matt. Matt. Um, and so that then no prank calls, Matt. <laughs> so, so that then precipitated my thoughts on okay, well, I'm pretty sure I can't do what I want to do here mm-hmm. in Australia. So where can I go? Um, the first thought that everybody would have would be like, okay, Hollywood, right? Hollywood. <laughs> it's extremely difficult to just go to Hollywood. You yeah. can't just rock up with your bags packed and go like, I'm here, Tinseltown. Like, are you ready for me? Uh, first of all, they won't even let you in the country. They'll be like, and what visa do you have? And I'll be like, oh, I've got the, um, uh, 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 the I'm I'm very uh, hopeful visa. They'll be like, okay, that's not a real thing. Go home. Bye. Yeah. And now uh, Canada being a very friendly Commonwealth country mm. uh, had the option because I was under 30 at the time. They had the option of just like, hey, are you under 30? Do you want to just come over here and work? And I was like, I do. And, <laughs> and they and they were like, okay, well. Uh, the application talks to you like that, right? Pretty much. It, yeah. Like <laughs> it really laid it out very simply. It was just like, yeah. okay, are you under 30? Yes. Do you want to work? Yes. You're in. Yeah. And so, Wait, there, but isn't there a question about like, do you like skiing? Do you want to be a no, listener? No, no. Luckily, they didn't ask that <laughs> because it becomes this like open. You can work wherever you want yeah. outside of like, um, uh, like farming because they already have people that they pay even less for that. So they were like, we don't want you to ruin that. <sighs> so we've got a special one for that one. Don't worry, Australia does the exact same thing where they're yeah. just like, hey, 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 you're not allowed to work in farming. We've already got that one sewn up. So, oh, yeah, no, but yeah. anything else, anything else and you're fine. Oh, and not the medical field because we've also got that like lockdown tight. So you could be the doctoriest doctor ever, not allowed. Yeah. So um, they said, yep, it's an open work visa. You can work on whatever you want. The reason a lot of people go to the ski fields is because it's a hospitality gig and they're always looking for people. Mm -hmm. And I am pretty sure, I never went through it, but I'm pretty sure the interview process is just like, you got your work visa, right? Yes, I do. Okay, well then get on the bus (laughs) and off you go. And then, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's just, they're looking for bodies, you know, every season. And so, you know, for a long time until they changed it partway through while I was here, you could just do back-to-back-to-back work visas, two at a time, two years at a time. You just go, duh, duh, duh. They changed it because they realized, um, oh, that might have you here long enough that you can then apply for uh, permanent residency. Permanent residency, Just based off working in the ski fields, and we can't have that. Um, no, at least I, I'm sure they had other reasons, but that's how it felt. It You're was being like very forgiving. No, that's yeah. Exactly it was like it was, was like they were like, okay, well, we're not going to do the back to back to back anymore. And I was like, oh no, but I'm doing cartoons finally now. Um, so I applied for all that. They said yes, thumbs up. You can do it. 
And I very much did. In hindsight, it was... It didn't feel scary at the time. I think I had a lot of like hope and confidence and like sort of youthful vigor. Yeah. But in hindsight, it was I just love like, that you had youthful vigor, especially because you're yeah, the oldest young person exactly, I've ever exactly. met. I, I think my body's catching up with my like, you know, my <laughs> internal age. So, but, um, but you had the youthful vigor. I did. I did. And so we took, uh, I took that youthful vigor and I showed up with literally just a suitcase of stuff. Um, I didn't have anywhere permanent to stay. I knew a couple of people in town. Um, dad, my dad had come over here for some music stuff. He's a musician. And so he had done some uh, some traveling and, and some things here. And so he knew someone uh, who uh, was a point of contact. And I knew a couple of other people just from, I'd done a semester of exchange in Ontario and Vancouver was the point in and point out. So mm. I'd met some people. And um, so it wasn't completely nothing, but it, it still was like, I'll crash on some couches and look for a place. Mm. And I did, and I found a place, and it was a great place. I stayed there for seven years um, because the rent was really, really good. <laughs> and then it wasn't. <laughs> but the rent was really, really good. Um, but, yeah, I just sort of showed up. But like, not quite the step off the bus with the, you know, the suitcase in hand and going, like, you know, okay, world, what have you got for me? But it was a little bit that way. Um, there were a few years of working um, retail here, you know, while trying to audition and do things and then getting a couple of gigs, a couple of gigs here and there, starting out, getting a bigger gig and then going to some conventions. And I, I think it was really just uh, wearing all the casting people in town down. Mm. I think they eventually started to remember me and go, oh, this guy again. Okay, all right. Well, all right, go and show us what you got. And then I got better at what I did and yeah. they started to go, okay, you, we'll put you in the thing. And then they put me in the thing and then they put me in some more things. Um, and that was great. <laughs> um, what would you yeah. say though of all the of all the things mm -hmm. that you've been put in? Was there one where you were where you were like, this is this isn't just me being cast and I'm excited about working. It's yeah. where it was like, this is this is it. This is this is where I feel fully engaged as an artist. Honestly, it sounds it sounds a bit Pollyanna-ish, but almost all of them. Yes, absolutely, like, Pollyanna. Like it, it is. Bullshit, uh, Bill Newton. And listen, there are some, I'm not going to say which ones, but there are some where, look, it's any job. There's always something where you go, okay, it's a, it's a job, right? And we're doing a job and I'm going to do it to the very best of my ability. I will not phone it in. You know, I hope I never do that. But some of them you go like, okay, we're, we're doing a job. This is a professional engagement. Yeah. And then there are plenty, and there are plenty on the list of things I've done where I was like, yeah, this is why I did this. This is why I got into this. Yeah. Um, some of the more recent ones have been uh, the Loki ones. Yeah. They've been amazing. Um, probably, and it's, uh, you know, I don't like to pick favorites, uh, but one of them would be Monster Beach, yeah. um, which sadly, I think, as of time of recording, is still unavailable to stream in North America. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's available in Europe, Africa, Latin America. Um, I think it just made its way to Mexico recently. So it's on all sorts of streaming services in those. Oh, Asia. It won an award, an animation award in Asia. Fantastic. Um, still not in North America on any It's amazing. We, I mean, Kazumi Evans was on that as well, yes, right? We had yeah. Kazumi on, on the show. Um, features a lot of incredible local talent. And you, I mean, you were nominated for UBC yeah, yeah, Award yeah, for that one. That whole show, everybody I worked with was incredible. Hiro Kanagawa, legend. Hiro Kanagawa. Legend in town. Like, it was... Yeah. I'd never met him and then like you know we were working on the show and it was yeah it was fantastic um you know somebody who is new to the scene um who is still working um i'm not even sure if she's still in town i think she's 
in LA potentially or it was back and forth but uh, Nadine Lightbody mm. uh, who's done some TV and film but that yeah. was like her first cartoon and she loved it uh, Alicia Perosa mm-hmm. um, uh, Kelly uh, <laughs> uh, oh, okay <laughs> oh no I'm blanking on Kelly's last name oh no from My Little Pony Kelly oh Kelly from My Little Pony <laughs> You're going to have to cut this. <laughs> I'm going um, <laughs> to. Kelly. Uh, Kelly Sheridan? Kelly Sheridan. I'm not cutting it. I'm keeping it. Kelly Sheridan. That's Kelly fine. Sheridan. I'm so sorry, Kelly. Uh, Kelly Sheridan. Disgusting. And Shame on you. I know. That's that's incredibly bad. So bad. I, I like. I had I had her face in my head and like the last time I saw her outside of, you know, like Wave Studios and chatting to her about the Reaper recording software and stuff. And I was just like, Kelly, 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 Kelly. Um, and Brian Drummond as well. And, uh, no, oh my God, stop know. saying names. You're blanking on them. I know, I you can't do it. You should stop doing this. I, I should. <laughs> I should. Well, yeah, because I'm going to start now trying to go like, everybody, everybody gets the okay, thing. Okay, 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 okay. Um, Brian Dobson, Brian Dobson. Okay, oh, oh, that's a good one. I know, legends. Yeah. Legends, everybody. I was yeah. surrounded by incredible people and it definitely felt like that That sort of, uh, not that I didn't feel like I ne- I should be there, but it was just like, I'm really here. Like I'm, yeah. I'm doing the thing because it was the first time I'd also been a lead. Mm. So I had I had done bit parts on My Little Pony, huge project. Worked with you know incredible people from, you know legends from town. Yeah. Just people who've been working for sometimes decades, sometimes most of their life. Yeah. Um, and but I only ever got to sort of come in for one day, and mm. so we'd sort of see each other and be friendly, and it'd be like, oh, it's so good to see you again. But then I'd be gone, and they would continue to have like you know their kind of their it becomes a family type thing and they would yeah. continue to have their fun and it was like you get to duck in for a day and go like this is great this is amazing and but then you got to go you don't get to hang out anymore and this was the first time that I was a lead so I was there every day yeah. uh, so every time that we recorded you know except for a couple where you know it was either a different character heavy episode and my character wasn't in that one mm-hmm. but it was just it was the first time I'd experienced that and so it was it was really eye opening so that's why that one's so special to me and still yeah. is is because that's where I yeah, like I've had a couple of like lead or featured characters since, but that was the first one, and it was like, oh wow, this is so special. Yeah, yeah. well, I love I love that character. Um, <laughs> I I love because I think cause when we talked for the UBCP Actra virtual red carpet, mm-hmm. you talked about like it was in- inspired a little bit by Keanu Reeves. Yeah, a little bit, you know, but like as if he was like a an ogre and his teeth were mm-hmm. like really big for his mouth and stuff. Yeah, and- it was it was like I don't, I don't know what it was. Like I try to do that for every character, is especially if we get artwork, which we did for that, yeah. thankfully. Because um, we don't always get the artwork for the character that we're auditioning for. But that one we did. And so I was like, okay. So I'm looking at this character. And yeah, he's got these big, like, big underbite. The teeth are coming yeah. through. So that's going to affect how he talks. Um, he's like, he's he, in the brief, he's written as like, you know, he's kind of stupid. He's a little bit thick, you know, <laughs> but he's very enthusiastic and like everything's positive. He's having a great time. Everything's great. And yeah. so it just became this sort of this like, oh my God, that's so awesome, dude. Like everything's <laughs> great. And I remember that they did get me to do an Australian version because the creator of the show is an Australian. In mm. fact, and this was sort of like almost kismet and ironic in the extreme, he is from Melbourne. He's about my age and he lived about 
10 minutes from where I lived in Melbourne. Whoa. Or as Keanu would say, whoa. (laughs) And so he he was so close. In fact, I used to work... um, in a video store not far from where he lived. You worked in a video store? I did, yeah. That's so formative. Yeah, it, absolutely. In, uh, yeah, incredibly so. My husband worked in a video store mm-hmm. as well. And, you know, he directed Invincible. I was going to say, yeah. people who work in video <laughs> stores, it's, I would I would love to know the ratio of people who worked in video stores who then go on to like be in that industry. Yeah. Ian Hanlon, uh, another fantastic performer in town, he worked in a video store too. We bond over that a lot. We just talk about, you know, like, <laughs> like the different kinds of VHS uh, cassette case you know, oh, so yeah. you had like the puffy ones, which we all hated because they didn't fit on the shelf properly. Mm-hmm. They were too big. So we just talk about and just note out that. That's about great. That what were some stuff. of when you worked in the video store? What were some of your favorite films to recommend to people? Um, I so we had we had a, a section of the store that was split into directors. So oh. yeah, so like you know, we had all the films. So we had genre sections, but we also had like here are all the films that we currently have by this director and so Ooh, that's very like auteur yeah, friendly absolutely yeah it was that kind, kind of store was this and a so, chain store or? no no it was an independent store yeah. so I liked recommending uh, people certain uh, certain directors so like Kurosawa was one that I really really loved yeah. to suggest especially because I'd say like hey have you seen like you know this film or that film well this is you know like directly inspired by you know so People would talk about spaghetti westerns, which I also love. So Sergio Leone mm. films, incredible, still to this day, some of my favorite Absolutely. films. But like directly, literally inspired by Yojimbo, yeah. by uh, Kurosawa. And so like if you watch Yojimbo and then you watch uh, Fistful of Dollars, it is, it's not even that much of a leap because Yojimbo is bonkers. westerny. Yeah. There's even a, a fella in it with like a six shooter pistol, yeah. which seems, you know, it's sort of anachronistic. But Isn't then, that kind of crazy yeah. and almost a little offensive when you think about, you know, how many people, how many white um, yeah, filmmakers so. ripped off in mm-hmm. some way, you mm-hmm. know, uh, the, the work of Kurosawa? Absolutely. You know, and I mean, I guess there is a way that it has it has benefited, you know, like the like Kurosawa's films, you know, because sure. people be like, oh, I love Star Wars and mm-hmm. Hidden Fortress, right? Yes. Was it yep. was? Uh, yep. I mean, George Lucas has been pretty explicit, you know. That's true. It, that he even wanted M- Toshiro Mifune to yeah. to be Obi Wan yes, Kenobi. Exactly, at, at and some and point. it's him. It is that's exactly you. You bring up a really uh, fantastic point, and also a is, nerdy point at that. Oh, both <laughs> fantastically nerdy, which is it is it is one thing to be inspired by and borrow from. Um, other artists because that's that's art that's yeah. all art all art is stolen art but you need to go to great lengths to make sure that it is known that you are inspired by or this mm-hmm. is an homage to because otherwise then it's just wholesale kind of theft it's it's it's, yeah. it's really just going <laughs> theft yeah, yeah it's, theft it's exactly so it's like you can't just go like oh, I'm sampling that the film like you know I'm pretty much taking the script yeah. but then I used different film stocks so but didn't <laughs> Tarantino used to do was he would actually like release films as well that inspired him for a little while there, yeah. yeah. While I was at the video store. I was going to say, because be... I remember this from when Paul worked at the video mm-hmm. store like 23 years ago, right? Yeah. Like, it would be like, it would be like some random, 
honestly a random film that I would not ever have come yep. across because this is before Netflix and oh, Amazon yeah, Prime children. Um, you know, but that but it would Tarantino he would he would release it. He mm-hmm. would give it that stamp of approval and release it. Yes, yeah, and that was that was uh, at first I was just like, oh, this is this is shady because it's not his film. Like yeah. he's just sort of putting his name on it. He probably just wants a check. And it wasn't until years later that I realized this is a way for a very prominent filmmaker from the West yeah. to look at films that would not have got a look in and still don't get looks in uh, in a Western audience to to take a film from uh, I hate the, the term like you know at the Oscars where they say best foreign film because it generally just means best not American film yeah and or so, best not white best not English yeah, speaking film yeah because weren't they going to do that for there was a film it was a big film it was a Korean film it was, oh, a it was Korean, done in Korean it was, it was done in Korean Minari? Minari! Yes. Oh, we got there. And so, anyway, yeah. that was an um, quote that was an American film. Yes. Yep. D- yeah, American yeah. film starring American actors and like done in America in with America. American crew. Entirely it just had a lot of Korean language yeah. in it because and it was Korean Americans yeah. and they were going to sort of just go like, oh well it's foreign. It's like, okay, so just just admit that you just go like, well it's not white enough. So but then I realized that's your like, voice of the whitest person. Yeah, it's not white enough. <laughs> so like realizing then later that that was Tarantino's way of sort of saying like, "Hey, you trust me, right? You know me. Yeah. So I love this. Take a look. Yeah. And that's that's good. That's actually that is that's good. Fantastic. I mean, Tarantino is shady for so many other reasons, yes. and we're not going to get to that today. But bringing attention to other filmmakers who would not have got prominence, yes. you know, you know, to a Western audience. That's a thumbs up. I don't even know how we got here. Okay. And I do know, like, like, there's definitely something. And I, what I love about this is, I mean, we haven't spoken really at length. I mean, we're, mm-hmm. we're Twitter friends. I'm friends with uh, Neil Buton on Twitter. <laughs> we marched together because you're friends with Adrian Petru. Yes. We marched together yep. in the, um, the anti-war, mm-hmm. anti-Ukraine. Not anti. It was no, the, pro. We're very pro. I, I am Ukrainian. It's fine. Um, no, it, but it was an anti-war yay Ukraine march. rally. Yeah, yeah. God, I don't know why I couldn't say that. Mm-hmm. Man. Um... You know, so, uh, but like otherwise, like this is really a, a get to know ya kind of mm-hmm. episode for us. So, okay, there's some things that I do want to talk about. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say them right now because I want to make sure we hit them because I also know you have to go work this afternoon. I know, first he's time- going to Ocean. I'm not going to tell you what he's working on, but he's going yeah. to Ocean Studios first, this afternoon. First, like, cartoon gig in five months. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. I hope I'm not rusty. Yeah. I think you're fine. Okay, so yeah. I want to talk about Loki because mm-hmm. I love Loki. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about Dear Martha. Yes. And um, and then I, I want to talk about, you know, what's next? What do you want to do? Sure. Okay, so with regards to Loki. Yeah. Um, how did you how did you find the voice for Loki? And specifically, I'm wondering, yeah. you know, what kind of challenges are associated when you're voicing a character mm-hmm. that is already yeah. established and, dare I say, iconic? Yes, yeah, absolutely. No, definitely. So Tom Hiddleston's performance as Loki is incredible, fantastic. It's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, very difficult to... It's one of those, like, it's it's almost like the seminal version, mm. like, where you would go, well, I just don't know what to do do that isn't that yeah and you don't want to do like a you don't want to do a straight well unless you're instructed to which sometimes happens with you know adaptations they go like okay we're looking for like pretty much just that just like yeah. Tom. they didn't want that for for this version of loki yeah. so they were like we want more of the probably the first couple of films that uh, tom hiddleston did loki in which is a a little more conniving a little more you know so like yes brother absolutely yeah. you know thor and more, thor dark world yes yeah. slimy you know that that sort of thing as opposed to 
to um, oh, I got chills. That was like so yeah, a little, a little bit more clipped and like funny and you know off the cuff and irreverent that he became in later uh, films, especially uh, Thor Ragnarok and then the TV series. Oh my God, the TV series, he was yeah. all of that. Yeah, and so it was a lot like looser um, as a character, and they didn't really want that that sort of. Sorry, like... my phone buzzed <laughs> because we said series, and my phone thought, I thought that we were I talking said about series, right? <laughs> Of course, when I say the word Siri, the phone doesn't respond. No, it's oh like you had your chance. You had your chance to look something up, and it's uh, it's <laughs> we're, passed. We're done now. <laughs> uh, yeah, so finding it was um, was not too difficult because it's still elements of that. It's yeah. it's just sort of going like, okay, it's that sort of placement, that kind of like tonal range, and then just more of the intention. So they were just like, yeah, a little more schemy, a little more yeah. slimy, that kind of you know like mm, snake like Loki. Are you the same Loki? Uh, because I've noticed mm-hmm. you're Loki in two different animation styles. Yeah. One of them being Lego and yeah, another yeah. one being more of like a hand-drawn animation yeah. look. Like, is it the same kind of voice or do you it have is, it? It is a bit, yeah. No, yeah. I don't. I think... Uh, you're not it, like, this is... I'm adding a bit of Lego to this. <laughs> <laughs> no, so the, the Lego Loki is a little more, um, I would say, uh, just from my memory, um, I believe that like the Lego Loki is a little more schemy and a little more... Uh, kind of dark, whereas the um, there's there's a lot more action in the uh, hand animated one, the Battle mm-hmm. World uh, Loki. So that's got a little more uh, kind of upper register, uh, you know, getting hit, getting blasted, getting thrown across the room type of thing. Whereas yeah. the Loki in the uh, in the Lego, uh, from what I remember, is a lot more of the uh, the puppet master Loki. Mm. So you know, doesn't have to do a lot of stuff because he's already he's ten steps ahead of everybody else. So he's already set up all the chess pieces and it's playing out. Exactly how he wants. Ugh. So it's that it's that kind of thing. I love him. Yeah, he's great. I was so happy when I was able to do that. Who is your favorite supervillain of all time? Of all time. Yeah. Supervillain of all time. Because I love Loki. Um, and he would have been towards the top of the list. Yeah. But I've actually kind of removed him from the list now sure. because I see him as a as a more of a protagonist. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. would say he's he's getting closer to an anti hero yeah. than a than a straight villain. Yeah. Um Villain of all time. Hmm. I mean, it's 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 tough to go all time. My the way I sort of rank and think about things is extremely fluid. Mm-hmm. So I don't really have. So people often say because I've worked in a, a video store and I love movies and I watch a lot of movies. They go like, "What's your great, favorite movie of all time?" And I was like, uh, "It changes all the time." Mm-hmm. And like mm-hmm. you know, it might be ten different ones and things like that. So, but off the top of my head, uh, best villain would be. Here we go. Here we go. Probably. Top of your head. Just say a <laughs> um, villain. <laughs> it, would, it would probably. It would probably be. Um, it, it's more of an actor playing a villain. It would be anything Tim Curry does. I love that answer. So, like, he's played lots of villains. Lots Just of recently, them. Yeah. I was uh, I was enjoying uh, singing along to uh, the uh, Toxic Love song in Fern Gully because mm. he plays the the sludge. Uh, smoke monster. So strange. I forget that he had that whole like an other life as like yeah. he's a he's a voice he's actor. Incredibly prolific voice yeah. actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, when he plays villains, it's extremely enjoyable. Yeah. Um. Uh. So him playing Long John Silver in the Muppet Treasure Island oh, movie. Yeah. Um. So you know, tying back my love of Muppets to uh, yeah, yeah. To uh, you know, villains and Tim Curry. I love Muppets. All worlds coming together. But yeah, he's he's an incredible one because he uh, there's just the thing about villains, which is you know, if you play them just purely mustache twirling, like everything is evil and I'm going to be the most evil, 
it can get a little stale and kind of one note. Mm-hmm. But he plays them as you should play any role, really, with like this sort of, you know, intention and desire. And like, you know, he, he they feel fleshed out and real, yeah. even if they are kind of slimy or going after things, you know, against the protagonist. Uh, the, the concierge in um, uh, Home Alone 2. Oh, oh, my God. So good. That's he, actually what I picture when I yeah. think about him at first. That's mm-hmm. like the first thing that comes to mind. You know, it's, I'm going to tie this to another episode of the podcast that I did yesterday yeah. with uh, William B. Davis, who famously was the cigarette smoking man mm-hmm. on The X-Files. Mm-hmm. And he's talking about the thing about playing villains. Yeah. Is that no villain thinks that they're the villain? Yeah, and you know? and like good, yeah, good, well performed villains do not think of themselves as like I'm the bad guy. <laughs> it's you want something, and it may be at odds with you know the protagonists of the story mm-hmm. as it is. But yeah, if you you don't think of yourself that way, you think of yourself as just like well, I want this, and you want to stop me, and I can't have that. Yes, you know, I can't have that. Yeah, so it's 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 uh, exactly like they have to be real. They have to come from a place of you know every villain like you know that you would consider in life now in reality. They don't think of. They definitely don't think of oh themselves my God, you're as villains. Giving me the perfect segue into talking <laughs> about Dear Martha. Right, right. Uh, because <laughs> uh, that was so much fun. I well, yeah. can, we, can we just talk? Because I got to explain to our international listeners. Mm-hmm. Um, although they pro- you probably heard about the the Freedom Convoy, the truckers, the the truck the because they weren't all truckers, well, and, it, and it inspired. You know? It's inspired similar convoys in many other countries in many now. other countries so, in Europe and also you're in America you're welcome. <laughs> yeah thanks so much but basically um you know the the where it all started was in Ottawa mm. in in what was it like I guess February, yeah, February really was when things yeah. started. And basically, you know, these truckers, they took over the city of Ottawa mm-hmm. and disrupted life yeah. for the people who live there. Mm-hmm. Um, they were defecating everywhere. They were honking their horns all, you know, all throughout the day. There was some possible attempted murder. They smashed you know, windows. They smashed yeah. windows. Yeah. There was like that one guy, though, who had actually chained the front door of a building. Yeah, tried and, to burn it down. And tried to burn it down, you know, which I would call an attempted murder. I think you'd be you safe know, in I that, think that uh, I that, pause yeah. if I did that that yeah. would be you know you could I would I would that if I did that I would not be surprised if that was a charge that I faced yeah I, um, I agree but I wouldn't do that you know these people though they thought they believe that they are the heroes and exactly. they're in their story right Definitely. so basically there was a lawyer I believe that she's from Ottawa mm-hmm. uh, who her name's uh Peggy Blair Peggy Blair Peggy Blair and she was writing um <laughs> these tweets that were Written as if like they were they were letters written during the Civil War yeah. or something, you know. Um, Missives from the front, to, from the to front a, lines, to a and they you know. were hilarious. Maybe I'm gonna drop one right now. Dearest Martha, morale continues to plunge. The enemy forces have assembled their horses, and the huge steeds seem highly agitated. I now regret hoarding huge stockpiles of ivermectin. It's as if they blame me for their discomfort. That was so good. Right? So basically, uh, Bill took these tweets mm-hmm. uh, and and you you read them out loud and yeah. you brought a certain kind of flair to them. So let's let's start. Why did you why did you want to wade into that entire Ottawa occupation? Mess well, I and- think I think we were all frustrated because it it what like it. 
it became very Ottawa centric, obviously. Yeah. But um, every city had experienced it. So here in Vancouver, we'd experienced it as well. There were, you know, like trucks and, and convoys, you know, in the beginning couple of weekends, just, you know, blasting horns, you know, holding up traffic, irritating everyone around for frankly a, a stupid reason mm-hmm. a, they didn't think it was stupid it it was um and so they had all the, the all these uh, things that they were doing and disrupting most of the major cities across the country so we all felt it and we all then watched as it developed in ottawa and got more and more frustrated with it that you know so little was being done and like is this still going on? How yeah, is this still going on? Yeah, they had porta potties. They like had became, their they like had a little little uh, like mini city that yeah. they were setting up, and so it became hot. Tub, was like the hot tub or hot something. Tubs. Was set they up? had hot yeah. tubs set up. Yeah, so it it became like ludicrous, except it was real and it wasn't that funny deep down. And yeah. so I think what uh, so Peggy said when uh, we would talk a little bit um, after the fact, but she was talking about that she had. Um, out of a sense of frustration she found a way and i think that this is you know like my comedic mind goes there as well which Mm. is that you have to find a way to deal with something that is like so frustrating or you know like it gives you great anguish and and sadness you go okay well how do i turn this into anything good and so she had these she was inspired by there was one where they she had seen that with shovels they were making a little snow barricade and it was she just saw the lunacy of that of just like do you not think that the police might also have shovels like a shovel is not a protected item you know you can get a shovel um not to mention snow plows and things like that and so she just started to write these tweets and i saw them and i immediately saw them for what they were which was this funny very funny satirical take on what was going on and i also recognized that they were very much like the ken burns civil war documentaries Mm. so the uh there were a, a series of famous letters that were recovered of uh, like Confederate soldiers writing and Union soldiers, but um, the Confederate soldiers writing to their wives and sweethearts, telling them about like the misery that they were facing on the yeah. front lines. And just it was it's one of the few primary document examples of the descriptions of what it was like. Mm. Um, and they they had the uh, the Ashokan uh, farewell music that uh, was written by Jay Unger um, in the documentary. And they just gave it this sort of, you know, this kind of folk feel to it. And I just, I I heard it in my head. I mm-hmm. heard the narration. I heard the music swelling up over it um, and just taking it, like, reading it very seriously, which then made it very funny. Yeah. And so I just, on a whim, did one and then posted it as a reply to Peggy's tweet. And she liked it. And then... Like thousands of people like yeah, you. You went viral. Yeah, and so, and then I just did more because people were like, "Do the rest, do the rest." <laughs> and so like, I did. Okay, okay. Yeah, so I did the rest, but it was just yeah, it was very much uh, something that came out of a sort of a collective frustration. People said as much, you know, in a lot of the replies, they were just like, "Thank you, you know, we all needed a laugh. We needed yeah to chuckle at something because this sucks." Yeah. So thank you for that. Um, and yeah, like there were somebody reached out and they said that um, their father, I think, uh, was a healthcare worker working at the hospitals, and so doubly frustrating watching people try to minimize or pretend that it didn't exist mm. and they directly had somebody who you know is dealing with it every single day yeah you know and so it was yeah it was just this thing and I didn't realize like I had just kind of thought yes I think this will be funny and I think that this will be a way to kind of take some of the wind out of the sails of of these blowhards mm-hmm. and 
didn't realize that it would be so popular. Yeah. Um, Did you hear from any of the blowhards? No, I don't think so. But I, I have my uh, my social media settings mostly set to um, uh, not show me most things. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's one of those things where like... Self-care if I, online is important, man, and that's and, a way to do I'm it. And I'm so glad that those tools are there because initially when I f- would dip my toes into social media, it would be just, you know, full bore, like give me everything. And that gets so overwhelming and I can't handle it. Like, you know, yeah. my mental health and... And, you know, fragility and, and sort of sense of myself online, it, like I can't take a wave of like potential negativity mm-hmm. or sometimes even positivity too. Like I had to turn any kind of push notifications so I couldn't have my phone buzzing and telling me, oh, new like, new like, retweet, new like, new like. So I would I would check once a day every like each day mm-hmm. and I, I made myself do that because I had never gone viral before I'd never had any of that kind of massive interaction retweets and yeah, likes I, so I was like I can't be sitting here and checking because it's too much at once so yeah. I'll go back later and I'll scroll through and, and see some stuff and but, see the good stuff yeah well that's good that you had that set up because I learned the hard way I went yeah. viral for in a really bad way oh. and I had the fans of PewDiePie coming oh, after no. me they had, he had oh, sicked his no. fans on me it was awful oh. and it was all because of an accident a mistake a, a typo basically in a, sure. an article and um, I I was hearing from people who were telling me to kill myself yeah, and, and are... I'm sure there's a Venn diagram between f- the Freedom Convoy people and the people who were the PewDiePie fans who were reaching out sure. to me there's, uh, there's a lot time. of yeah there's a lot yeah. of folks who are ready to just think of the worst possible thing and then put it out there as if it's not going to someone else yeah. just sort of go like well I'm really mad so the you know the anger and the rage and the horror that is going on inside my head. I'm just going to put that out there yeah. at someone, not realizing hey there there is a person on there's the other end of that. There's, there. a, there's a person yeah. on the other end of that. So yeah. Well, we are coming to the end of our time together today, Aww. Bill. So before I ask you like the mm-hmm. final before we we wrap up the conversation, yeah. I'm going to tell you you have to come back. I'm like happily. we have so much to talk about. Gladly, this yeah. Has been thoroughly enjoyable. Um, I I'm amazed that we haven't spoken before maybe we'll do maybe we'll do like a special show that's all about like old stuff yeah (laughs) yes you can come in and talk about all the old stuff that you like oh i will yeah you're like i'm so you're so pumped oh wow like the movies that we could talk about that don't even begin to touch even the 80s yeah Yeah, I mean, I grew up watching um, Fred Astaire movies and Bugsby mm-hmm, Berkeley mm-hmm. movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, so when I met my husband, I'm like, I like movie musicals. He's like, oh, you mean like West Side Story? And I'm like, no, like stuff from like 25, 30 years okay, before so that. Just, just, <laughs> That's too new for me. I was going to say, me. just quickly, one. So I had something recently. Oh, it was it was for the UBCP um, Actor Award. Uh, you had to, there was going to be a little quote. And one of them was just like, oh, what was it? Oh, what uh, what do you do to like stay... Uh, sane or like you know uh, keep keep motivated or something mm-hmm. and then also like what is a source of inspiration and they used the what do you do to keep sane because I said uh, and it's true you know I I, I connect with my uh, my community you know and we, we, we look after each other you know you check in you try to hang out you chat you sort of talk about what's got you frustrated about I'm not working very much is it me am I like am I still good you know you have to kind of reassure each other because it's it can be very lonely yeah. you know you sit by yourself and you worry but the other quote was um, the, what is something that has directly inspired the way that you carry yourself through? And I said, uh, Donald O'Connor from Singing in the Rain in the uh, song and uh, the sort of the, uh, the, the thought of make him laugh. 
Mm. So that song and that like idea, and yeah, Singing in the Rain is one of my favorite movies. Yeah, and it's seventy years old. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. but it's one of those things where I yeah. go like, oh yeah, yeah, Donald O'Connor, <laughs> make him laugh. Like that's the character I would be mm-hmm. in anything. Yeah, I would be that guy. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be the you know the the Gene Kelly character. No way. I'd be Donald O'Connor, like slapstick hitting people with uh you know like a, a board of wood and oh, you know yeah. falling over and he was yeah amazing. exactly and so that's that's sort of how i've i've always seen myself as like okay i i want to be that i don't it's not that i would get pushed into i'd be like no no, no. i'll be that guy i don't want to be the lead yeah can i can i be the funny one can i be the funny one please please let me be the funny one <laughs> you're the funny one yes <laughs> I'm not in a position to <laughs> to to give you that role, but I will. I will. I've no, done it's it. too late. Sabrina said it. Sabrina said it. I'm the funny one. Yeah, and I am. I am a. I am a voice in this community. So people <laughs> listen to me. All yes. right, let's end with. Do you wanna? Do you wanna end with? Um, oh yeah, let's end with a swear word question. Okay. Yeah, you're like yeah, I'm game. Yeah, do it. Let's do it. Okay. Uh, I'm excited to swear. It's been a while. You tell I haven't been here for a while. Like yeah. everything is like it's like new. Oh, it's tingly. like my first time. You're I ready. am. You ready? All right, here we go. Yeah. Do you have in your career? Mm-hmm. What the fuck? This is actually my life moments. Not yes. yep. what the fuck? This is actually my life. No, there's plenty of those. Yeah. So so when do those happen um, for you? In the booth, usually the first day on a new project. So for me, the most recent one was. Not the Loki Marvel Lego, but the one before that, the Climate Conundrum, where mm. I played Justin Hammer. Hammer, yeah. So I was in the room with just a bunch of talent. So Adrian was in the room. Nicole was in the room. Adrian Petru. Nicole Adrian Petru. Nicole Oliver. Um, Giles Panton was in the room. Giles Panton. Those they've all been on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Um, Fans of all of them. Uh, Michael Dangerfield. Fan of Michael's, but yeah. he has not. Been okay, on the but Michael Michael was in yeah. the room as well. Um, Rebecca Shoykett was in the room as well. <gasps> Ian Hanlon was in the room. Oh my god! So just it was it was a packed oh. room. Pre pre COVID. Um, so yeah. packed room, and I was there, and I actually turned to Michael. So turned. Yeah. And, so I, <laughs> turned, I turned and looked. Up. I turned and looked up at Michael, and I said, <laughs> and I was just like, "We get to do this." Yeah. I was like, "We get to." I even like I said, "Let's just." I just want to take a minute. Like we get to do this, and it's hilarious because he's such a veteran. I think he didn't quite understand what I meant. I think he meant like you know maybe this particular project or whatever it is, or just like, like Mar- Marvel, right? Yeah, yeah, Marvel. And I was just like, no, 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 like in my head. But I was like, I meant any of this. Yeah. Like we're doing goofy voices. Like we're doing Marvel characters that are Lego in an animated thing. And that's our job. Yeah. And so that was one of those ones. And I've had little ones of those throughout, but that was the most recent one where I just, I had to take a moment, like you said, of, what the fuck I get to this is what I do <laughs> yeah it was it was amazing and those moments those moments are special and you got to remind yourself of them yeah. because it's easy to get into the what the fuck this is my life oh my goodness I can't believe it you got to hold on to the other ones like that was me like an hour and a half ago before you <laughs> before you got here oh well I hope I've improved the mood you absolutely yes you absolutely no, it's because yes. I hadn't been here for a while. There's yeah. a lot of mess here. <laughs> um, all right. Well, Neil Buton, Bill Newton, it's been a fucking delight. 
Thank you. It's been we're fucking great to be here. So fucking dope. <laughs> um, where can our fucking fans... No, no, no. I'm not swearing about the fans. Okay. Where can our fans find you, follow you, celebrate you on all the social media? I am Nil Buton. That's N-I-L-L-B-E-W-T-O-N. It's basically my name, but you reverse the letters. Um, <laughs> Thank you just for the, the first. Yeah, exactly. You just reverse those first <laughs> letters um, on pretty much everything. So yeah. um, Instagram, TikTok... Uh, I have a website, uh, bill-newton.com. Um, Bill-newton. Bill-newton, yeah. Some, some, some bastard has bill-newton.com. Motherfucker. Yeah, and they're, and they're they're sitting on it and they, they want $20,000 for it. Go fuck yourself! I don't have $20,000. Yeah, <laughs> you use that dash. Yeah, yeah. go to bill-newton.com. Bill yeah, that's the one. That's the ticket. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, Neil Buton on the socials and bill-newton.com. Fantastic. All right. Listeners, I love you. Thank you for joining us today. I love you too, Neil Buton. Thank You're you. pretty great. Uh, please like and subscribe and leave us a review if you are so inclined. They help us find even more listeners and we can keep having conversations. What the fucking rad one that we had today? It's pretty fucking rad. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram at YBR Screen Scene and at Sabrinarmf. That's Sabrinarmf. S-A-B-R-I-N-A-R-M-F. My daughter told me I have to say that more. Uh, so mm-hmm. so I did and because she knows she's 11 she knows what the kids want okay why bear screen scene podcast it is hosted and executive produced by me Sabrina Ronnie Mara Furminger I'm the only one to blame it is edited by Simon Furminger special thanks to that 11 year old genius Mariana Furminger for recording our Patreon ad to Paul Jason Furminger for technical support and to Dane not Furminger definitely poor not Furminger Dane but you know what Dane you are a Furminger to us for the original music why we are screen scene is a di- you, honestly Bill mm-hmm. you're a Furminger too Oh my god. The, <laughs> the honor. The honor. It's a big honor. You get to work on the show now. <laughs> all right, all right, right. Why Bear Screen Scene is a division of Fish Flight Entertainment, the family business. Join us next time for another deep dive into Vancouver's dynamic film and television scene. And cut! Hey, filmmakers. Did you know that you can hire top quality, experienced, and professional actors for your films? If you're producing a student film for course credits, working on a web series, a short or a feature film, you can afford to have some of the best talent in the business in your production. How, you ask? Well, UBCP Actor has an ultra-low budget program, which offers a range of options that cover everything from student films to productions with a $300,000 budget. There is a ULB program that will meet your needs, regardless of your budget. To learn more, visit ubcpactor.ca and look for ultra-low budget programs or email ulbprogram at ubcpactra.ca. Now is the time to jumpstart your dream for the screen.